Walking in the City. Welcome to One Foot in Front of the Other, a series about walking. As you listen, go out for a walk or a roll or a sit, or stay where you are and come on a walk with me instead. I'm going to talk about what walking has been like over the last year or so, how it's changed, how it's been painfully unchanging, and some of the things I've seen, heard and found out along the way. A note on content. In this episode, I talk about being ill with COVID and being in pain. I also mention street harassment, but I don't talk about specific incidents and I don't go into any detail. By virtue of living in one, almost all my walks over the last year or so have been in a city. And over that time, Manchester, the city I live in, has changed beyond recognition. I didn't leave the house for the best part of a month when I was ill, didn't leave my immediate area for longer. And by the time I ventured out, old buildings had gone, new buildings had sprung up, and the skyline had changed. I guess changing is what cities do, isn't it? And not in a cyclical way, like change happens in the wild, but ever forward, becoming bigger, taller, newer. There's always progress in a city. Cities aren't places for rest. The noise never stops, the lights never go out. Cities are busy and concrete and unpredictable. When I first moved to Manchester, the way I met the city was by walking it. If I could walk somewhere in under an hour, then I'd choose that over getting the bus 99% of the time. I've worn through countless pairs of shoes on this city's pavements, mapping it out with my feet, moving forward and widening the space in which I live. Walking through the city unearths a whole world around me. There's parts of this city that I've walked so many times that I want to tell you that I could do it with my eyes closed, but we both know it wouldn't really work. Walking in this city needs you to be aware at all times, needs you to be mindful of potential chaos. People of all kinds going in all sorts of directions. People rushing, people taking their time. People waiting for the bus, people spilling out of pubs and bars on a sunny day. People handing out flyers. People wearily trying to ignore people handing out flyers. People meeting friends. People protesting. People dressed up for a night out. People looking out for each other. People accidentally wandering into cycle lanes. The man who cycles around seemingly the whole city playing music from a boombox. He's been around at least as long as I've lived here, and whenever I hear him coming, I smile. The rumble of traffic, the hiss of buses, the toot of a tram when someone hasn't noticed they're about to be run over. Smells of food from cafes and restaurants and takeaways, of onions frying emerging from different people's windows, of buttery sweet bread as I pass a bakery. Smells that set something off in my head and I'm instantly taken back to another day, another year. A few weeks ago, I was walking through Manchester and as I crossed the road there was a sudden burst of bus exhaust smell. I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's not nice. But the first thing that popped into my head almost instantly as I smelt this lovely recognisable pollution was, I miss home. We look for familiar things in unfamiliar places. 
I wonder what smells remind you of home. Maybe you are home. Maybe the smells around you now are safe and comforting. Maybe you're not sure what smells remind you of home until they hit you. The ever-shifting light in the city elicits different feelings and different moods in us. The bright, inhuman orange of the streetlights. The similarly orange but softer, cheerier glow of a summer sunset. The cold, pale light of an early morning in winter. The flat, sad light of an overcast sky that gets steelier and grimmer when it rains. The empty, hollow dark of a winter evening and the same darkness leaving us feeling lighter, calmer in summer. We're influenced by the light. Walking through different times, different scenes, different atmospheres changes us. Manchester is infamous, you might be aware, for its weather. When I first moved here, I was often caught out, but I know I belong here now because I'm always prepared for rain. I know this sounds pessimistic, but time has shown me that rain will come whether or not I've got a brolly. Even when you're waterproofed up to your eyeballs, the rain finds a way in. No matter how prepared, I will never be happy about being suddenly caught and having to walk drenched through a deluge from the sky. Often there isn't a choice. I don't have a car or bike, so I simply have to get from A to B and accept my soggy fate, head down and feet pressing ever on. I walk the same streets I've walked for years. It doesn't happen every time. But often I find myself accompanied by a past version of me. A me from a particular point in time. Sometimes we walk together, sometimes we just brush past. Sometimes it's a mere hint, but I know she's there. It's a one-way gaze, I see no future versions, but it's a strange feeling to be moving forward and looking back at the same time. This past me might be on the way to a job I no longer have, to meet friends who no longer live in the city, might be on the way home from somewhere that no longer exists. And there are feelings that come with these past selves too that blindside me, overwhelm me, wake up a sadness I'd forgotten about, but that lies coiled and dormant somewhere in my body. Reminds me of a joke or a moment with a friend that makes me smile in a bittersweet way. I wonder how there is so much memory that only arrives when I walk it. And who else am I accompanied by? Who else haunts these streets? My daily walk takes me to so many different times. I go through streets of houses, Victorian terraces, 60s terraces, new build terraces, old mills, some that are still mills, some that are offices and flats, more flats with big windows, ugly corrugated warehouses and quiet industrial areas, canals and locks that predate everything else, that have been built, abandoned and refurbished again, cafes and shops frequented by people who once wouldn't have come to this part of town. I think about the people who used to be here and the people who built this place and I wonder how much of it they'd recognise now. I constantly have to remind myself to look up. The pavement is mostly the same wherever you are. Sometimes what's at eye level is strangely unchanging too, but if you look skywards, there are new things to find. Red brick terraces, mills and warehouses that contrast the sky. The neoclassical grey stone of public buildings, brutal squat concrete, bright glass and steel angles all sitting side by side on top of each other, joined at the seams. What's left standing and what's been replaced tells us a story, doesn't it? We build and rebuild, and go over the same places again and again 
until each location is layered with ghosts, scored through time. As we walk, how much of this history can we see? And how much is left unknown? How much of it are we placing down with each step and how much will just be lost afterwards? I think about what a walk in this city would look like in an ideal world. I put my headphones on, lose myself in music or a podcast. I wonder, I walk in circles not knowing what I might come across, finding joy in the fact that even familiar places might be different as I come across them again. I have no plan, no time constraints and everything is easy. I don't need to plan to be anywhere before it gets dark. As I pass people, we move out the way for each other, give each other a smile and a little nod. I'm free to go where I want and I feel excited about where I might end up and what I might find. But that's not how it usually goes, is it? Different places are safe and not safe for different people. But perhaps you already know this too well. When I walk in this city, there's a different kind of danger. I'm not gonna slip off the side of a rock into nothing but I can't afford to be any less alert. To be visibly a woman, as I am, to be visibly queer, as I sometimes am, is to be more conspicuous, more vulnerable. I've spent a lot of time thinking about safety, and I guess that either you have to or you've never had to. It's a state of constant analysing. What to wear? Should I wear headphones? Which way should I go? Is it safer when it's busy or when it's quiet? Parts of this city don't feel safe to me after dark. In the winter, this means I'm confined to well-lit main roads after 4pm. Not the parks, patches of grass, canal towpaths I can enjoy when it's light. I'm vigilant, fixed on my peripheral vision, aware of everything, but at the same time, carefully cultivating the impression that I'm impervious to shouts, whistles, stares, threats, being followed, being grabbed. Most of this danger is low level, but it's cumulative like water slowly filling up the space around you. And before you know it, you're neck deep. People who sexually harass others know exactly the impact their actions can have. That's why they do it. We're told to be afraid if we're out alone, to expect this sense of fear and control and entitlement to extend to the streets as well. But most of the worst things don't happen when we're walking alone at night though, do they? And strangely enough, most of the street harassment I've been on the receiving end of has happened in broad daylight. The writer Rebecca Solnit describes walking as a crucial way of being in the world. What does it mean then that certain groups of people are denied the chance to do it? What does it mean that to be a woman or queer or a person of colour or disabled is to have an entirely different relationship to walking? We assume there's one proper way to walk in this world and there isn't. Not for most of us. I'm bored of talking about how dangerous the streets are for us. To make the city safer, we need to accept each other, to commit to being responsible for other people, to stand up for each other's safety. In the meantime, we've got to keep showing up, to keep moving forward.
By walking the city again and again and again, as part of my government-mandated daily hour of exercise, I've been noticing more. The feel of the pavement, the sound of the birds, the wind in the trees, the light through the branches, the ripple on the canal, the slight change in the seasons, every day getting slightly, incrementally lighter. Sometimes I take different streets, do a slightly longer loop, but this is the way that my feet take me most often. As I follow the same pattern for weeks, I notice how my body feels, how sometimes I surprise myself by finding the pattern easier, how I don't need to sit down on the benches I pass anymore, how two weeks ago it felt like I was dragging myself along the pavement, but now I'm awake enough to pay attention to each step. I've been noticing the way I carry my body, where I hold the tension, the joints that usually hurt and creak that today feel like silk, the ease of my breathing, the brief tightness of my chest that suddenly dissipates, the weight of my limbs. Do you notice these? I notice how things change. Buildings spring up. Trees explode into blossom, become full and green, shed all their leaves, stand bare, bud and blossom again. Goslings, ducklings and cygnets appear, small and impossibly cute, and very quickly become gangly and straggly and, in the case of the geese, full of abject hatred for everyone and everything. The air feels different. Rain washes everything away again and again. I trace and retrace my footsteps from yesterday and the day before and the day before that until I walk on autopilot. So used to the streets and the paths and the points where I cross the road that I don't need to think anymore and my mind can wander with my feet.